You're listening to Ask Dr. Gray Pre-Med Q&A. Welcome to Ask Dr. Gray Pre-Med Q&A. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing great. I'm excited to chat with you and hopefully answer some questions to help you and help everyone else watching and listening. What's well, going thanks on? Thanks for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. So I have a question regarding um, uh, quote unquote significant ties. So I know mm-hmm. that uh, in a lot of your podcasts and videos, you talk about uh, out-of-state applicants needing to have significant ties to an out-of-state um, school or any school in general in that state you're applying to. Yep. And my question would be regarding a uh, quote-unquote significant tie to a school that's inside of your state. Okay. What's, a, so, what's that question? So I have what I would consider to be a significant tie to um, a particular school. I was a scribe and then I was a phlebotomist at a teaching hospital that I worked really closely with um, both graduates and um, physicians who taught at this particular medical school. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had a very close relationship with them. Um, okay. I uh, also uh, worked with an ultrasound clinic fellowship um, that was uh, sort of run in uh, collaboration with the residency program and the uh, medical school. Yep. Um, I then did volunteered uh, to do research there uh, for a year. And uh, now I've been a paid researcher there for a semester. Um, so uh, in that using those uh, connections, I've also been attending a lot of the um, online seminars they have for their medical students. Um, and I feel really passionately that that's where I want to go, um, not just because of all my great experiences working with their providers up until this point, but a lot of the doctors I work directly with um, in those opportunities, um, were the ones that I said, I want to practice like this person, or I want to have, you know, the skills like this person who were graduates of that program. So my question is, how do I accurately relay this, um, connection on an application? Um, and how do I make sure that if the, plan doesn't work out and I don't end up getting into this school, how do I not shoot myself in the foot by <laughs> being too connected to one school that I yeah. get ignored by others? Yeah. That's, that's always the challenge, right? If, if you want to put all your eggs in one basket, how does that not, as you said, shoot yourself in the foot for other right. schools? And that's where the kind of early decision application comes into play potentially. A lot of students in your shoes will go, wow, I, like, I love this school. Um, I'm kind of uh, already a part of this school in so many ways. This is the one school I want to go to, so I'm going to apply early decision. Do you know if the school that, that you want to go to, does it have an early decision program? They do have an early decision program, but um, first of all, I've listened to probably 200 <laughs> of your podcasts. And Only you say, 200? Oh. I have like over 1,200. Come on. I'm working on it. I'm getting there. Um, they, you usually say, don't do that. So I'm trying to, uh, listen to your advice. And, um, my second concern with that is my school that I'm connected with is, has both an MD and a DO program. Okay. So I would be elated to do either one, but I can't do early decision to both. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right, Narrow, narrows down the school choices because there's only a few schools in the country that have MDNDO programs. Um, in Michigan, right? Yeah, in Michigan as well. Yeah. Um, so, 
just just a couple things for context, right? The, in terms of early decision, I am definitely not a super fan of early decision for most students. Now, there are very specific reasons for why a student would want to apply early decision. And as long as those things make sense and the student is still a very strong applicant, right? A lot of students think early decision means I don't have to be as good of an applicant. I just really want to go to that school. Um, so if all of those things kind of line up, then sure, go ahead as long as you know the risk uh, of literally shooting yourself in the foot. Uh, not not literally, but uh, shooting yourself in the foot because you are only allowed to apply to that one program for early decision. Right. So there's that, that one potential issue there. And then kind of context in the broader picture of things, just in terms of what you were talking about at the very beginning with... Uh, um, in terms of out of state, applying out of state and strong ties to those states, just context for someone listening or watching who doesn't know what I'm talking about. So, if you uh, are a resident of Michigan, right, you are in state in Michigan, when you apply to the University of Florida, University of Florida is a public school, it's an out of state school for you as a Michigan resident. And when you look at the stats of, and really the purpose of most public schools, their mission is to serve that state and to serve the residents of that state and train students from that state to hopefully stay in the state and practice medicine in the future. And so when you, when you look at schools who are public schools, when they are interviewing out-of-state students, the question is, why are they interviewing those out-of-state students? A lot of times it's stats, right? They just want the highest stats possible to, to bump up their own stats, right? It's, it's an ego thing, unfortunately. But a lot of schools will look at what are your ties, right? You could be in Michigan right now, but maybe you were raised in Florida. You went to high school in Florida and you went to Michigan for undergrad. And, and your family still lives in Florida, but you're a Michigan resident now, potentially, with, with laws and stuff. And so you have very significant ties to Florida, and that potentially is enough to get you an interview, even if you don't have the best stats, because you have, um, because you have strong ties to Florida, and you may be one of those students who isn't a resident, but really wants to have uh, kind of their future in Florida. So that's kind of to, to recap the strong ties aspect of that. Now, getting directly to your question, the question comes down to, if you have strong ties to that one school, how do you let them know, right? How do you kind of say, look, I'm a part of this community already. I love it here, et cetera. Now, luckily, the far majority of schools in terms of secondaries usually have some sort of like, why do you want to come to this school question in their secondaries? Have you looked at that school's secondary questions to see if that's something they ask? I have. Okay. Um, I know that Michigan State, I'm sorry, Michigan State DO has yeah. um, the uh, has that in their one of their questions, but their MD program does not. Okay. In terms, um, wait, yeah, let me go put ahead. an asterisk. Yeah. They said because uh, they have a different, they do a system by system yep. um, education program. Um, they asked specifically, why do you think that this sort of novel way of teaching would be a good fit for you? The MD program asked that? Correct. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. In, in terms of the connections that you have with all of, all of the people that you're interacting with, 
are any of them connected to the admissions, to the faculty there, uh, just outside of, but just again, to rewind a little bit, the, usually the teaching hospitals where the, the physicians are working, usually that's kind of an automatic, you are a, a professor of that institution because you're at the teaching hospital, you're training the, the medical students, the residents at that institution. And so outside of the normal kind of everyone's a professor, do you know if any of your connections have stronger ties to the, the medical school and to the admissions world? Um, I do know that several of the doctors that I have close ties with are professors there for um, the subspecialty that I worked directly with. Um, I also know that one of the doctors that I worked with, she did a lot of of hosting uh, the medical students there. So she would take like the M3s, M4s and take them around and do direct um, teaching for them in the department. Yeah. Um, I do know a couple uh, doctors who are who have done uh, interviews for them, but I obviously wouldn't want to put them in an awkward spot in case uh, you know we put we got into a situation where they could be um, either interviewing me or lateral to the interview. So I'll I'll stop you there. Right, you are not putting them in an awkward spot. Usually, the the process of the admissions is. If they came across your file, they would kind of, uh, I forget the, the, the legal term of kind of removing themselves from your case. <laughs> um, right. they, they would just say, I know this person. I, I can't offer an unbiased opinion. Now, that doesn't mean that they can't offer a potential letter of recommendation to say, hey, I know this student. I obviously know the students that we want here at this school. And she would be an amazing uh, an amazing addition to our community. So I would a thousand percent ask the people who you think have the closest ties to the admissions world at the school. I would ask them for a letter of recommendation. Uh, okay. I, I wouldn't worry about any sort of conflict of interest because all of that is worked out on the back end. Um, when they're reviewing applications, people, people will remove themselves from uh, from a file review if they know the student. So uh, don't worry about it on your end. Ask and and hopefully they can uh, they, they can write you a strong letter that will be taken maybe a little bit more seriously. Now, here's a trick that I like to use specifically in the AMCAS world because in AMCAS, you can be a little bit more strategic with what letters of recommendation go to what school. For someone like that, if you think it may be a strong letter, period, you can have that that person write two letters, one that okay. is specific to the institution, where they are a part of, where you are a part of, and then one that is generic that says that, that you're just a great student in any school would be great to have you. Um, okay. And so that's a, a fun trick that you can do. You have, have that one professor have two letters in AMCAS. And then you just have to be very careful when you're uh, um, assigning letters to schools that that letter is specifically named so that you know that that is very school specific and only goes to that one school. Okay. So um, I guess a follow-up question that I have mm -hmm. um, would be that 
I sort of got too excited when I was asking for letters. I haven't applied yet. Um, I'm applying in May, <laughs> yeah. but um, I have lined up five, uh, six letters and okay. the school that I'm hoping to go to requires five. Yep. So um, requires or is a maximum of five? Maximum of five. Yeah. Um, requires three, maximum of five. Yep. Um, so I have three physician letters that um, are all really valuable to me. One um, has become uh, basically one of the directors of the department that I worked for. Um, One was the leader of the fellowship program that I worked with um, for ultrasound, um, who was also in the department I worked for. And the third letter is a provider who knows me really, really well. So um, the first two are graduates of the school that I want to go to. Great. And work with um, students there. Yeah. Um, and so it's hard for me to choose between those three <laughs> letters. Yep. If I have to put a um, committee letter from my undergraduate institution in there as well. So would you say stick with the provider letters or let the um, let the uh, the committee letter go? So you would have to look at the school's specific requirements. Uh, obviously, usually, not obviously, but usually schools require more than just physician letters. And mm-hmm. so um, look at what the school requires. Make sure that you're meeting those requirements. And then you can add the extra letters on top of that. And, and, and I don't always recommend that, but it sounds like the letters that you have are very specific and hopefully very strong, especially for that specific institution. So I would go ahead and try to max it out. Now, whether or not you get a committee letter, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't do a committee letter and then four other letters so that that's your maximum of five. I would do a committee letter and, and really count the committee letter as three and then maybe add two more on top of that, those two stronger physician letters that are uh, have strong ties to the school. Okay. That's a lot to think about. <laughs> it is, yes. Um, why, why would you potentially not get a committee letter? Um, I think that the... The letters from the uh, physicians would be stronger because I work directly with them and I have a a pretty strong relationship with them. Um, My relationship with my pre-med department is a little bit um, less like secure, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think that would be a bad letter, but um, it's just hard to choose, especially because I think that, um, that the other, uh, especially the physician letters will be really, um, They'll show my character really well. Yeah. Have you looked at the committee letter, like the committee process and what they want in terms of letters? Because usually committee letters, they still want letters of recommendations from other people. And then they kind of summarize and and kind of have their own internal language for how strong an applicant you are compared to the other students in their cohort. Right. Um, So my... It, it seems like a pretty liberal process through the school that I go to. They're pretty, um, I guess, generous generous in that perspective that they kind of will let anybody, if you want to go for the letter, they'll let anybody do it as long as you get it in on time. And they will take into account um, input from professors um, that you have. So I have a particular professor because um, my school, I believe, requires um, at least one science professor um, 
and one, I think one physician letter. Oh. I think that was the requirement. For the, um, for the committee? Uh, for the school. For um, the medical school. One, one physician or one physician and one, um, uh, okay. one academic. Okay. So my professor that I'm hoping for, I guess I could try and put that into the committee letter or do I have to add that separately? I guess I'm not quite sure. Usually committee letters kind of automatically meet all of the requirements for each of the schools. So if you get a committee letter, you don't really need to look at what the requirements are for the individual institutions. Oh, okay. Okay. So that would be helpful for yeah. sure. Um, I guess going back to the application then, yeah. um, what would be the best way to convey uh, my strong ties with this particular school other than um, writing it in the uh, additional essays? Yeah, you don't. Uh, and that kind of goes back to not wanting to shoot yourself in the foot. Your primary application is generic. It's, right. it's generic for any institution. Uh, when it comes to writing your personal statement, you're not putting specific schools in your personal statement. The the one place where it will stand out is in your extracurricular descriptions and, right. and activities because your activities are going to be centered around that institution and they're going to be like, oh, this student has really strong ties here. So that's where it will stand out. But outside of that, you don't need to call out your intention for wanting to go to that one specific school in your primary application. It'll come in the secondaries, which are very school specific, and then obviously in your interviews. Okay. Okay, because I didn't wasn't sure if I should. Um, it will be hard for me to not include. Um, I I will obviously have to include the volunteering that I'm doing for a, a low income clinic that's associated with the school, um, and then the two pretty large research opportunities that I've had um, that are also directly with them. So yeah. um, I'm not sure if I should phrase that in a way that's more generic or like specific to that institution. I wouldn't make it specific to the institution in terms of description, right? Uh, you, you may get this fall into this trap of uh, here's everything I loved and this is why I love this community and why I want to be a part of this community. Again, that's mm -hmm. getting too specific into the institution in your primary application. Okay. The, the primary application, again, super generic in terms of institutions, uh, but with the activities obviously being located there, they're going to get a sense of that. But the, in terms of the activity descriptions, your goal is what was your impact there? Not Again, not institution specific, but what was your impact? What was the impact on you? Okay. Okay. Um, so then my last question that I had prepared was that this particular school that I'm interested in is a very service-oriented school. Yep. Um, and I've been pretty consistent throughout my undergrad. Um, I'm non-traditional. I've been an undergrad now for almost eight years. Um, I've been pretty consistent um, volunteering throughout all of those years, um, but I haven't found, quote unquote, the one. Um, and I'm wondering if you think that it would be beneficial to wait to apply until after I have that one connection with a volunteer opportunity that you know, has meaning. No, no, because you're, you're subjectively saying that it doesn't have meaning. Well, I mean, they all had meaning, but it wasn't the one where I can say, you know, I, this is the one. But know? what is the one, right? You're not getting married to these activities. <laughs> why, why are you subjectively saying it's not good enough for the medical school? 
I guess the longevity factor, um, because I've kind of moved around and had, you know, a variety of different jobs and then volunteered in lots of different capacities. So, um, I'm sorry, can you say that one more time? So? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, Again, you're, you're subjectively saying that they're not going to like that. They may turn around and go, oh, this is really cool. She's got lots of great experiences and uh, has lots of interests and it doesn't look like she spent a ton of time at any one, but that's okay. We don't care about that. Okay. Do you see, do you find that um, showing commitment to making sure you're doing something, you know, consistently, do you find that that usually is, uh, is met with positive feedback or do you find that? Um, in my experience, a lot of my friends and colleagues have volunteered with one one group for a long period of time. Yeah. And, and that's the heart of your question. And the heart of your your uh, concern is that you're friends, right? You're looking right. at other people going, theirs is better because theirs is better because mine isn't good enough because. Right. Right. You, you get, stop looking at what everyone else is doing. You've done what you've done for the reasons you've done them. Period. Right. And you don't have one long-term commitment. Oh, well, there are reasons for that, whatever right. those reasons are. And if mm -hmm. it comes up why you don't have one long-term commitment, you'll have your reasons. You don't need to make excuses. You just tell your story. Okay. Yep. I guess I'm, I have the voice of one of my pre-med advisors in my, <laughs> back in my head saying, you know, if you say that these things are important to you, why are you, you know, moving around to lots of different things? Yeah. But, so. but there's the problem with, with how, how advisors potentially and how students look at the activities section. The activities mm -hmm. section isn't, I got married to this activity. I love it. It's the only one I want to be with. I went steady with this activity. And then okay. I went and went, I was steady with this activity. I married it and, and that's all I did. Right. The, that's not what the activity section is. The activity section is to show who you are and what you've been doing over the course of your time. And for you as a non-traditional student who has had eight years of undergraduate experience, you have time to, to explore your passions and explore everything that's going on. And then with life events and other things, things kind of throw you off your game and you go and you find new opportunities. All of that stuff happens. The activity section, you're not proclaiming your love for one activity. And then as soon as you add another activity, you go, oh, but wait a minute. You just had that activity up there. Why are you doing something else if that one was so important to you? That's not what the activity section is. Right. If it was, then everyone would just have one activity because that's what they're passionate about and that's all they're doing. Okay. This just makes no sense. Okay. I see, I see what you're saying. Um Going back, I guess, to my original question, um, what uh, do you find that students who maintain that close relationship with um, their particular goal, school, or the school that they feel um, most connected to uh, for various reasons, do you find that those people, um, no, there's no trend? No. No. And my, my assumption is, Jumping to where you were going with the question was either does that help with their getting into that school? My assumption is you weren't going to ask the help part because most of your questions have been more on the negative side. Does that hurt? <laughs> does that hurt for the other schools? Where were you going with that question? Well, um, I was, 
I'm wondering, you know, do schools see that as as favorable as, you know, maintaining that relationship? Versus- it's, it's nothing because it, it all it means is that you are location dependent like everyone else. Right. You happen to be in that location. You happen to be doing things at that institution. Well, guess what? That's where you live. Right. But I think there's oh, wow. opportunities. There's opportunities to do things outside of that particular area that um, I really support their values. And I find, you know, that this it's a choice that I want to be doing work that's supporting the values that I personally hold um, that the institution also supports. So I really feel like um, it's not necessarily, oh, I want to make sure that they like me. I'm going to do things here. Yeah. But um, sort of the, the opposite of like, I, these are the things I want to be doing and they're offering them. And I just want to make sure that I relay that in an effective way without it seem, seeming too much like, oh, I'm trying too hard to get noticed. No, I, I think, again, at the end of the day, that kind of stuff would be in your secondary application, potentially during an interview, really focusing on their core kind of mission and vision, what their values are, and how those relate to you and what your values are, what your mission is in life. And, and why there's a synergy there. That's that's where that kind of stuff comes up. Um, but but in terms of like making sure that you really hammer that home or stay away from it, I, I think you just be uh, kind of honest to who you are, honest to what your values are. And if they do align, great. Make sure you mention that uh, in the appropriate spots without kind of cramming it down their face where it doesn't belong. Okay. All right. Sounds good. All right. Is that all you got? Um, yes, I think so. Unless you have any other tips for me that are on the top of your head. (laughs) Keep, keep listening to the other, uh, 800 or a thousand episodes of the podcast that you, you need to listen to. Definitely. Definitely. I'll keep packing away at it. Thank you so much for joining me here on Ask Dr. Gray pre-med Q&A. Did you know that we record these live on Facebook at 3 p.m. Eastern on most weekdays? Search for Medical School HQ on Facebook and like the page to be notified. Don't forget to check out all of our other amazing podcasts at mededmedia.com. That's M-E-D-E-D media.com. <laughs>